We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Filato. On tonight's show, we're going to break down the Giants' blue and white scrimmage from this Friday night. Obviously, it's a weird offseason, this COVID offseason. No preseason game. This should be the third preseason game that Nick and I are breaking down with the All-22 by now, which would have been a really fun thing to do. I remember breaking down Daniel Jones' preseason film from last offseason. So much to learn. I mean, so many awesome live reps against another team. This one, not the same. We tried our best with what we had. The scrimmage wasn't fully televised. We don't have every play. We used what we could find. Um from what's been out there. I'm sure you guys are facing the same issues where you weren't able to see the entire scrimmage. We've seen what's basically like an extended uh, highlights version of the scrimmage. A lot of plays, probably 20, 20, 25 plays, I would say. Um, And then whatever we can take away besides that, Joe Judge's presser, Sean O'Hara's recap of the practice. We read uh, everything we could from all the beat guys who were actually at the game. So we're going to give you what we took away from this and just kind of explore and dive a little further into what it means for some of the players what it means for some of the position groups and everything like that but before we do that nick how was your weekend how are things going with you it's going pretty well man i actually uh, was down at the jersey shore a little bit this thing called normandy beach which i thought was you know on the southern part of france but i guess it's uh 
out there in uh, southern New Jersey as well. But it was a it was a fun time, you know, catching some rays, swimming in some pools, and uh, waiting for September, which is in what two days now, as we record this, uh, <laughs> as we record record this at eight thirty at eleven thirty at night. Yeah, man. I mean, listen. Always a good time to get down to the Jersey Shore, in my opinion. One of the best parts of living in New Jersey, for sure. I actually haven't been there for the first time in my life. I wasn't there at all this summer. Just a weird summer. Uh, didn't make it out there. Um, but today was a big day for me, too, because recording this on Sunday night, and today was the day for my auction draft, my big league auction draft. This is a 13th year running keeper auction at this point. There were good days back in the old days where no one knew stuff and I was dominating, but now everyone's a shark. It's a full shark league. So really interesting league. I came away. I'll just go over some highlights. I know people have in the past have talked about some interest in a uh, little fantasy spin on some of these pods. So I went in with a strategy. I wanted to buy one of the big four backs uh, in this auction for a lot of reasons. One, we made it due to COVID. We said that going forward um, from this for next next year's draft there will be no keeper so it'll be a full redraft so anyone drafted this year will not be capped i came in not much value at keepers i had kyler murray at 23 remember though it's a super flex so quarterbacks which by the way i'll get to in a minute just went insane prices the quarterback market was as disgusting as you can imagine like sam darnold nine dollars jimmy garoppolo went for 19 dollars. how much did daniel jones go to for daniel jones was kept at two dollars uh, which was oh my gosh yeah the homeboy kept him at two great keeper Woo-hoo! so i had murray coming in at 23 remember 200 dollar bu- uh, budget for an auction um and remember if you guys haven't explored auctions in your fantasy league please do me a favor go to auction you'll never go back it's literally playing madden on all pro versus madden on rookie which is a snake draft especially if you're a shark in fantasy football and you're in a league with a bunch of people who don't really pay attention to it as much you're going to be so much better off if you switch to an auction and not have to deal with the kind of variance of a snake draft yeah i mean listen you there's any kind of strategy you want for an auction you could build your roster however you like you can't do that in a snake if you have the eighth pick you get whoever's sliding that eighth pick basically down the board rounds one through ten via adp anyway so came in with kyler murray at 23 okay value ended up being a, a pretty solid value just because the qb market exploded and went out of control and then i had devin singletary at eight dollars not an amazing value but Someone who I could lean on for 10 to 15 touches a game. And I knew just based on our past auctions, you really don't find that kind of volume at the running back position for that price. So I was okay with that. And then Marvin Jones for four, another kind of fringe guy. But I like Marvin Jones a lot this year. Plays every snap there on the outside. And actually scored within a point of Kenny Galladay during Matthew Stafford's healthy weeks last season. A little fun fact. Tailed off a bit to Galladay uh, once they put in all those backup quarterbacks. But the goal is that Stafford's going to be there. And Stafford had his highest career A dot last season. Really became a fantasy stud at quarterback because he was throwing the ball downfield. And Jones does a really good job of that and red zone. So came with those guys. Decided to buy one of the big running backs. And early on, somebody went Zeke 55. Then Saquon Barkley 60. Mind you, by the way, before this, Saquon Barkley for 55 last year was the highest we've ever seen a guy go for. Our league is very cognizant of not overpaying for the top guys and and maintaining our budget and you know building depth but after that I I said I want to get one of these four guys I wasn't ready to trust Clyde Edwards Hilaire just yet for that type of price because I'm a little concerned with Daryl Williams splitting reps with him he's still a rookie weird camp I didn't want to spend that much on any rookie um ended up buying Christian McCaffrey for 60 bucks same price as Saquon so that kind of shaped my entire draft for the first time ever paid for Travis Kelsey paid up at tight end never done that $27 buy there just hopefully getting the weekly advantage there um 
got in a little bit of a bidding war, got stuck somewhat price enforcing. Tried, there was a guy named Gary, one of my best friends, um, who had all the money at the time of the auction, and I thought he was locked in on Juju Smith-Schuster, so I wanted to bid him up, make him pay more money so he can take some money off the board. Ended up with Juju at 27, ended up not being a terrible buy, but just not thrilled with Juju. Then got some flyers I like, Nick. Brandon Cooks at six, like that. Um, I got uh, Zach Moss to pair with Devin Singletary, like that. Ronald Jones, $10. I'm kind of still high on Ronald Jones. I think there's a lot of upside there. I think Ronald Jones at 10 is a great deal, to be honest, man, because if that does all work out, that's going to be huge for you. And we've seen what Bruce Arians has done with rookie running backs in the past for Keyshawn Vaughn. So really, I'm not too worried about Vaughn. Right. LaShawn McCoy might steal some touches through the air, but Shady's, what, like 50 right now? Yeah. So, I mean, all the all the reports coming out of camp right now for Rojo are just fantastic. So hopefully he ends up living up to uh, the expectations. Yeah, a little bit of scare, too, with the injury, though, Nick. But then mm. back at practice today, which was great yeah, news saw that. on that front. So my team's going to be, you know, looking for that weekly advantage at tight end, the Christian McCaffrey Last year, I mean, he was just so far ahead of any other running back. If he can do anywhere close to that, I'll have a shot. But the quarterback market, wow, that went out of control. So I don't even want to talk about what I got there because you need – it's a super flex league. You need minimum two. I got three, but there it's an ugly situation there. So after Kyler Murray. Why don't you uh, explain what, <laughs> the situation that uh, kind of fell into your lap there, Dan? Yeah, so I mean, listen, what happened at the quarterback is it never stopped. The market never fell out. It was because there was a ton of quarterback keepers, which drove inflation. And we had situations where, you know, Ben Roethlisberger went for 24. Cam Newton, who I thought no one was on based on how, and I love Cam Newton this year in fantasy. He's my was going to be my number one targeted quarterback. Went all the way up to 26. Insane type stuff. Jared Goff, $19. Are you kidding me? Jimmy Garoppolo went up to 20 Baker Mayfield, 20 These are guys so low tier. They don't even get drafted in 1QB leagues. Sam Darnold, $9. Someone spent $9 and 8 on Haskins. So I was stuck with Teddy Bridgewater at 9 um, and I was stuck with uh, Nick Foles slash Trubisky at four. So it's if I have to put the biscuit in for a single game, it's it's going to be ugly. That's the difference between those one quarterback and two quarterback leagues, man. Two quarterback leagues, you need to pay up for uh, quarterbacks. I mean, I'm in a super flex league myself. And quarterbacks, man, they'll start going first round. Say, if yeah. you, you want to wait on quarterback in those leagues, you might get screwed and end up with Drew Locke and Sam Darnold if you're freaking lucky. Yeah. So you really got to be careful. In those yeah, super flex snake. It's like even more dangerous. Yeah. You know, those guys, the capital, it's it's crazy there. But anyway, we'll, we'll wrap up Fantasy Corner there. But I will say this for those listening. Do yourself a favor. Explore auction leagues. Explore super flex or two quarterback leagues. Make it more challenging. Make it more interesting. There's 32 quarterbacks who play every week. Why are we limiting ourselves to 12 starters? It makes literally no sense. So get involved, change it up a bit. But let's talk about this Giants blue and white scrimmage a little bit. Um, And I think we should start this podcast and this recap talking about Lorenzo Carter because there's a lot to talk about there. First of all, he had four quote-unquote sacks. I mean, you know, they're not sacking the quarterback in the scrimmage. Four taps on the ass. Four taps on the ass. But... Two of these, man, he showed really, really, really good bend and explosion off the edge. And listen, everyone can look at Carter's first two years and say, that's what he's going to be. That's capped out. But 
from what I've heard from Sean O'Hara, who spoke after the practice and basically said Carter has, you know, relayed that he really loves his new specific role in this defense. And remember, his role in this defense is very different than it was in James Betcher's defense. He was dropping a lot in James Betcher's defense. He wasn't on the field a lot in James Betcher's defense for whatever reason. Now he's on the field a lot. He took all these first-team reps. He wasn't dropping. He was rushing the passer. And he had some really, really good edge bend. The sack he had against Thomas, I mean, that was snap your fingers, and he bent the edge on Thomas. And, and you said it best, though, Nick. It was a little concerning to see Andrew Thomas really wide base on that play. And I've talked about this before when I was talking about Andrew Thomas as kind of my OT4 in that draft class. You know, that's not changing just because the Giants drafted him. Some of those concerns, I mean, all of my concerns that really with Thomas, there was none in run game. It was all pass game. It was all kind of the fluidity and the way he kind of moved in his set and his pass set. It wasn't great on that play, there's no doubt, but like, you know, O'Hara said, again, we're going to reference him a lot because I thought he had a really good spot on Giants Huddle where, you know, this is a guy who played the game and he sees it a little different and he said, it's going to happen for a rookie coming in. He needs live reps. All these live reps will help him and he's got to get used to the game speed. 100%. And on that play too, Carter just exploded out of his stance, got to the outside shoulder of Thomas and that's what kind of forced Thomas's base really wide was because he had to match the speed of Carter up the pass rushing arc and Carter's just able to bend through contact so well I mean you saw like his he was on an angle like with his feet all the way up to his head just bending through the contact showing really good hip and lower body flexibility and then once Thomas is like oh crap I'm beat widens his base tries to get to the top of the arc Carter just hits him with a strong inside rush move to beat Thomas inside and get to Daniel Jones so I mean this is a guy who's developing an ability to win with speed win with power convert speed to power and if he can actually do this and I know he's going up against a rookie so you know you have to sort of take it with a grain of salt but he really jumped out some people said he had four and a half sacks I know Ed Valentine somebody I work with at Big Blue View said it was more like three one of them Leonard Williams clearly should have been credited for the sack as well it's kind of hard to tell when you're not bringing the quarterback down but one thing's for certain Carter was winning Carter was winning often, and Carter was impressing a lot of people. So let's hope he can do that against Pittsburgh because it is not far off, man. This is only two weeks away, and we're going to start seeing Giants and whoever they're going to play against. We're going to need a pass rush, and you know, judging by how that offensive line looked, we're going to need that offensive line to play a lot better as well. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this about that snap and Carter in general. There was a there was a snap, uh, there was a rep uh, uh, from last season against the New England Patriots where oh, yeah. Carter had a sack that reminded me of this one where he really just bent the edge and showed that like really rare ability and athleticism and flexibility to bend the edge. And when you can bend the edge, it's, in my opinion, the number one trait for a pass rusher. And yeah, we haven't seen it so much through his first two seasons, but don't rule a guy like this out just because he's entering year three. Guess what? Development happens at different rates with NFL players. And a lot of these guys get better as they have actually more reps to rush the passer. Like we said, he wasn't always tasked with rushing the passer in Betcher's defense. He really didn't have that many snaps in Betcher's defense. He really could have been on the field a lot more often. So, it would not shock me if Lorenzo Carter has a breakout season for the New York Giants. I love the way that that he interacted with his teammates after the big plays he made. It seemed like he was kind of with that bunch with Leonard Williams in there, with Dexter Lawrence, by the way, two guys who had excellent games in this game. I mean, you're starting to see what Dave Gettleman was seeing when you watch Leonard Williams and, and Dexter Lawrence just kind of blow up pockets and just penetrate immediately, but just 
power and the ability to just kind of shove back. I mean, there was one rep, I think it was either Leonard Williams or Dexter, where he just kind of just fired back Zeitler, a tough guy to hit back, almost like a bench press rep, almost firing him back. Yeah, he, uh, Zeit, or um, Leonard Williams peeled Zeitler yeah. back, essentially, and then that was, I think, the one half sack, or the one half sack right. that Carter got credited for as well, but Leonard Williams would have murdered the quarterback in that situation, and now those plays against New England, there were two where Carter really bent the edge, the one ended up being a touchdown for the Giants, because yeah. it was, a, I think, a strip that sack. That was the one I was, yep. Yeah, so Carter, man, I mean, he showed it at the NFL level, it's just was never consistent enough, but now he's actually being trusted more by this coaching staff in that pure pass rushing kind right. of mold that could really help him as he matures and becomes an older player and a better player more experienced player so i mean i'm really intrigued by what he showed that's exactly what we're looking for from these young players like him and O'Shane Zimenez. and i was kind of skeptical on the giant Stevens in general heading into 2020 but i'll say this the defensive line and just the overall front in this game looked really quick they gave the offensive line fits throughout the entire game both with stunts and different things like that, but also just overwhelming. Like we said, there was a rep where, you know, Leonard Williams completely overwhelmed the site there. There were two, three, four reps out of Carter where he just did an excellent job of bending the edge and getting the quarterback. With Carter, Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, BJ Hill had a couple rep, nice reps in this game. is going to be a nice rotational piece. Dalvin Tomlinson, obviously. You know, I was excited, super excited about Kyler Fackrell this offseason. I think I was sleeping on Lorenzo Carter as really this guy. And it could make up for what they have, what they lack in the back end. And by the way, the back end played pretty well in this game. We'll get to that. There were some really good coverage plays, but it could make up for it. I'm getting, I'm starting to get cautiously optimistic about Lorenzo Carter year three breakout. I'm definitely optimistic. I'm still dubious though about the entirety of the edge group con- uh, creating consistent consistent pressure to mask the liabilities that will be yes. in the secondary and uh the, the one rep that carter toy lolo i know we were intrigued by his pass rushing upside absolutely blown apart by the move the pocket play where his carter was action upside you mean yeah. yeah yeah carter was on the backside of that and he just <laughs> ran right around him to basically track uh, i think it was jones down in the pocket it was an ugly rep from toy lolo for sure Yes, but good on good on Lorenzo Carter. I mean, you're going up against a tight end, but those are the those are the reps and the instances where you need to win as a pass rusher. So it's good that he was able to at least show that there. All right, Nick, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors, then dive back into our key takeaways from the blue and white scrimmage. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless, yes I said, contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. All one word. That's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back to the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. 
Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. All right, Nick, a couple other interesting takeaways. I think it's no surprise that the defense kind of won this night, it felt like. Uh, and that's not that shouldn't be a surprise because, you know, you listen to all the pros who have done this before and have been through these training camps. They all say at this time of the year, the defense is usually clearly ahead of the curve on the offense. This is something, you know, even Sean O'Hara made. And they did a great job getting off the field on third downs, the pressure we talked about. But even after the game, Joe Judge said, listen, it was a really vanilla on offense. He thinks that a lot of the reason the offense struggled, especially in the run game, he said specifically, was the vanilla. They were, they were, he said it was like playing with your left hand behind your back. Um, for whatever whatever that analogy is but so I don't want to jump down the offense's throat just yet and I still think there were a lot of positive takeaways from the offense I mean you have a guy in there who's starting to create a little buzz in Haycraft why don't you why don't you jump in there oh well yeah Tyler Haycraft the undrafted rookie out of Louisville played opposite of Makai Becton he was lining up as the backup center behind Nick Gates who was taking the first team reps and there was a little quick slip screen pass that Haycraft was the lead blocker on and he got out of his stance so quickly and fired out to absolutely annihilate a defensive back I'm not 100% sure which defensive back we ran this play back me and Nick (laughs) texting about this we ran this play back three times each to try to figure this out first we ran it back was like oh my god this guy just jumped off the screen Haycraft he got out there so fast to watch this player out on this screen but then we're like who is this defensive back we couldn't tell but yeah, that's no. not the point. Yeah, you know, we don't want to like say it, who it was anyways because yeah. it would just paint a total negative light on this player, but he was just standing his ground and Haycraft came and just steamrolled him to just pave an alley for the screen pass and those are the type of plays that you need to make as undrafted rookies and the limited opportunities that you're getting right now, especially at a center position where you've never played it cuz you're you were a tackle in college and you don't really have a true center. It looks like Nick Gates is going to be a starting center. That's what it really strongly suggests, at least. And it seems like he's playing well in that position. Haycraft can continue to kind of show that he can learn this position, master it mentally, and make plays like this athletically, then, hell, he he could definitely cut it as a backup center, man. Yeah, I look at it like this. You look at it almost like building your own fantasy roster. You look at it like, okay, Nick Gates played the game as as the first-team center, has been practicing as the first-team center, and Drew Praise, once again, now this is the second time, steady drum beat, drew it from Joe Judge after practice, now after the game. Joe Judge, who doesn't name-drop really anyone, name-drops Nick Gates, talks about how he's impressed with him. And then you got Sean O'Hara, who after the game talks about specifically how he was impressed with Nick Gates. Why was Sean O'Hara impressed with Nick Gates? All the snaps were clean. In a rainy game, the rain was coming down hard. Snaps remained clean. He talked about in practices how they used to have <laughs> drills where they would dunk the ball in a bucket of water to try to simulate wet games, but he had a wet game. He had a wet conditions there, and Nick Gates was snapping the ball fine. Zero issues there. And then even O'Hara broke down really a play where Nick Gates did an excellent job uh, kind of finishing a block in the run game. So Gates, steady drumbeat. But then you look at it behind him, and you got Spencer Pulley, who's banged up, right wasn't in this scrimmage has been banged up has been missing practices and so like if nick gates is earning this number one role nick right and tyler and tyler haycraft is playing really well behind him and he's flashing athleticism he's flashing okay maybe there's upside again it's another tackle to center conversion like we see with gates 
I don't know that I want to keep Spencer Pulley on this roster over a Tyler Hagrath. I know Pulley has the salary. I know Pulley made the money and has the experience of position, but he has the experience of position playing in Pat Shermer's offense and in the Chargers offense before that. And he didn't really play well in that offense. So I'm almost in the boat of let's keep Haycraft. Let's see what they got there. Don't cut the guy. I'd almost rather see him come in and play over. You know, I mean, he looked fine at center. He really did. Yeah, I wonder what the the risk, if they want to be risk averse, the Giants, yeah. and say, you know what, we'll keep Pulley just in case Gates gets overwhelmed and then we don't want to put a sure. undrafted rookie yeah, tackle no. in there either. But I, I like where your mind's at too. So it's really, I think, going to come down to how much they trust Gates and how much they can possibly trust Haycraft as the starting center if something were to happen to Gates. I'm not sure if the Giants are that high on him, but I do think this kid has made enough uh, enough plays and uh, that drumbeat, because we've been hearing about him from beat reporters uh, over the last week or two as well. You know, oh, this guy, watch out for him, okay? And then we just saw it on display in this specific scrimmage. So if he doesn't make the team, I'm sure the Giants are going to try to stash this guy on the yeah. practice squad. So I'm not even sure if they're going to want to part ways with him for that specific reason, because he might not pass through waivers. No. I mean, he might, he might, might not. It's so weird to say with the COVID year, like how course, that's going to yeah. affect players passing through waivers and, and or going to the practice squads. But I like I I see some upside there, and I don't I don't really see any with Pulley. So when I look at it like that, just kind of where this roster is moving long term, I, I look at it that way. But again, you make a good point. I don't know if they can really afford to get rid of all the experience they have at center. So we'll have to see how that goes. Keeping focus on the offense, a couple more good things before we get to the bad, because there is some bad I thought I wanted to touch on, um, and we've already touched on kind of Andrew Thomas being a little bit overwhelmed for what it's worth, but. Darius Slayton continues to be a kind of number one look for Daniel Jones. Uh, Jones hit him on a really nice ball. They 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 said they wrote it up as a slant, but I thought it was kind of more of like a deep in route. What did yeah. you kind of consider? It's kind of like a like a dagger route. Yeah, so, there yeah, you go. Like it seemed like route. it seemed like Shepard was running the clear out. Yep. I'm not sure if he was uh, lined up in the slot because the way the camera angle was These showing. These camera angles terrible. were just unbelievable. If anyone's watched this this scrimmage recap on YouTube Giants YouTube page, I can't believe who's this is like all 22 this is like all five you got to see five people do you take the all 22 where you can see all 22 people on the field well now we got the all five it was like a close-up of the right tackle you saw like a guard a right tackle in the center before the before you knew it the ball was snapped and we were looking at a, a pass being thrown right it was like yeah, it unbelievable was... we were rewinding fast forwarding trying to time this up to watch the offensive line this was it was it was a it was a challenge watching this scrimmage yeah it was terrible but it seemed like it was like a deep over <laughs> sure. type of route where it was a high low concept the tight end who was Caden Smith I think ran like a quick in route to suck the linebackers up who were in like a cover two which was the predominant defense that the Giants ran in against two minute offense and then behind that in route was the deep over so once those linebackers bit up on the in Daniel Jones with excellent timing I might add because he wasn't perfect on this day and I'm sure we'll get into that too with excellent timing put the ball right into Darius Slayton's uh, upfield shoulder, hitting him in stride and allowing him to kind of break away from Corey Ballantyne. And then Julian Love kind of came off of the route from Sterling Shepard and made the quote-unquote tackle on the play. Yeah, exactly. And then, again, later in the scrimmage, drew a deep ball target um, on a go route where, you know, James Barry was James Bradbury was locked in. James Bradbury looks smooth out there, I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah. He's in great shape. He kept up completely great, you know, excellent shape in COVID and was just locked in step for step with Slayton on this ball. But, I mean, we've seen Slayton make plays on 50-50 balls when he's locked in coverage. The Detroit Lions game, he had two touchdowns on 50-50 balls where he had no real separation there. And that's not anything new for him. 
No, not at all. If, if Daniel Jones puts that pass towards the sidelines on his outside shoulder, like a perfect pass, like an Eli Manning to Mario Manningham type pass. Well, that, it's definitely, he doesn't even, I don't <laughs> yeah. even really think he needs that type of ball, though. I think he just needs it to be a little bit oh, high. Oh, no, no, no I'm just, shoulder. I'm just saying, yeah, a little bit high, outside shoulder. So he just kind of jumps, catches, and goes down. I don't, I'm not talking yeah. about kind of the Manningham lead pass. Yeah. Instead, what, what we got, though, Nick, was a oh, little yeah, concerning. It, it reminded good. me a bit of the, Sterling Shepard Eagles game ball where Shepard obviously on that play Shepard had like four yards of separation it's a it's an open touchdown that Jones there was like threw. three balls like that in week 17 yeah that Jones it, under threw a single but this game. one man this ball was really poorly underthrown into the inside it was unfortunately not a good scrimmage for Jones if we're just being honest with the situation you have good timing on the on Slayton route we talked about but he missed this ball to uh to Slayton really poorly underthrown concerning to some extent hopefully doesn't continue and then, and again, remember, the weather's good now, I mean, so this is not good. We don't want to see this during good weather games. And then on a third and three, the Giants got their drive stop where he has a crosser to Sterling Shepard, and he throws it two inside. Darnay Holmes makes a really nice play to break up the ball, but if he throws a lead ball there with better ball yeah. placement, it's a catch, and it's a run after the catch because Shepard had a step on, on, on Holmes. Holmes, you know, had to come back, catch up, dive, and make the pass break up. It was a great play by Holmes. Yeah. Athletic play Athletic by Athletic play, the type mm-hmm. of stuff you love to see. Holmes earning these first-team reps, continues steady drumbeat, doing great in practice, now carries it over to the scrimmage. But this is on Jones, and obviously Jones had the fumble in the scrimmage as well. So Jones has got to step up. Jones has got to play better football. The Giants will live and die by Daniel Jones. This is how this franchise is now set up moving forward. If they want to take a leap, Daniel Jones has to take a leap. Yeah, I'm not ready to overreact, and I don't think you no, are No, it's either. a scrimmage. Yeah, I mean, it's a scrimmage, and like we said, Joe Judge said that the offense was basically playing with their left hand tied behind the back. Again, whatever the hell that means, it basically yeah. means it was a very vanilla version of the offense and the defense for that sake. I mean, all they did was really play man and cover two. It's not like they did uh, things that were overly exotic other than some twists and stunts that the offensive line did seem to struggle with, which yeah. is another thing I hope they really can clear up against Bud Dupree, TJ Watt, <laughs> Cameron Haywood, and that Pittsburgh Steelers defensive line did. Oh, yeah. But, again, not to overreact at all, but ball placement, you know, agreed with what Joe is saying and what Ohio is saying. At this time of the year, it's perfectly natural for the defense to be ahead of the offense, blah, blah, blah. It's a vanilla game plan. But ball placement shouldn't really be affected too much by any of that, in my opinion. And the ball placement has to be better from Jones. That's his calling card. His calling card is his ball placement and his timing. And again, it's not all bad. He showed excellent timing on that over route to that dagger over route to Slayton. That was a great ball, great timing. And he had a couple other throws that were solid. But you know, he missed two big ones. And that that he's not the Giants don't have that kind of leeway because this is going to be a team that needs to control the ball on offense all game, every game, keep their defense off the field. Yeah. I mean, and it didn't seem like that because it seemed like the defense was, and like you said, it's kind of set up that way, but the defense was definitely outplaying the offense for a lot of this. But I got to say, some of these young offensive linemen really showed out. We talked about Haycraft, but Shane Lemieux on that one block for Wayne Gallman, uh, if you haven't seen it, go go to the YouTube and check it out because Shane Lemieux was the one who just washed I think it was Marcus Golden off the line of scrimmage to allow Wayne Gallman to run right off the edge of his ass and just all the way like 45 yards or whatever 45 yard easy walking touchdown thanks to Shane Lemieux yeah essentially Shane Lemieux and there was uh there was another good block and it was Slade who Chad Slade who had a, who had a solid block as well there okay yeah Chad Slade so it was a 
that was obviously really intriguing and good to see from Lemieux, something that's what we expect of him, be a run-blocking mauler, but he's able to do it against a starter on defense, so that's definitely something that's pretty dope to see. Yeah, and after the game, another example here, Sean O'Hara, that was a guy who stood out to him, Shane Lemieux. He talked about a play where uh, Shane Lemieux worked back to the inside at center where Tyler Haycraft was getting bullied and bull rushed, and Shane Lemieux executed his block and looked for more work, came in and helped his center out there as, as Haycraft was getting bull rushed and then saved the play. Shane Lemieux, man, he, 53 starts at Oregon, an unbelievable program playing for for Cristobal, a run-first program, really physical. Shane Lemieux might be a steal. I mean, yeah, he's going to have his limitations in pass protection. That's kind of the athlete he is, but he fits this offense and what they want to do. I want to run the football, man. And he fits it really well. Yes, and he proved himself in that Marcus Golden rep specifically. We also had Javon Leak get into the game, have a really explosive run that caught everybody's eye. Like, wow, man, that's somebody who just shot out of a cannon. But then he's cut. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think part of this might have been Wayne Gallman's big night. Because, again, yeah. Gallman had the big touchdown run. He also had a touchdown reception where he ran a pretty solid route to get into the end zone. And so... And even Judge said, like, I wanted to see Gallman compete. It was kind of weird seeing Gallman compete that deep into the game with kind of second, third teams, all of that. But, you know, he was kind of didn't play much last season, you know, former regime's draft pick, yada, yada. But listen, I'm a Gallman guy, and Gallman showed out, as he usually does, when he gets his chance in the game. And I think that could have played a little bit into it with Leak because De- Deion Lewis, by the way, Showed more burst. I, I was excited to see the burst Deion Lewis. He had a really nice catch underneath where he kind of pivoted, made a really nice cut, broke back inside. He showed a little old school Deion Lewis burst on that play. That's what we need. We need a little bit of uh, New England Patriot Deion Lewis yeah. blood up in here, but it seems like he's more than likely going to be along with Saquon Barkley and Wayne Gallman form that running back room. Javon Leak did pass through waivers. Maybe he'll have the potential to be stashed onto the practice squad. We'll see if that ends up happening. But it seems like, I don't know if they view Javon Leak as the kick returner for this team, which kind of gives me this question mark on who they're going to put back there. It looked like Alex Bachman was taking a lot of the punt returns. I wonder if they view him as somebody who could do that. I don't know exactly who's going to be the long-term kick returner for this team. And last season, we saw guys like Jabril Peppers doing it a little bit. Corey Ballantyne. Are they going to go with somebody on the defense? or Because a lot of us thought it was going to be Javon Leak. But now, obviously, heavy question marks with that. <laughs> yeah. I'll be interested to see where that goes. Joe Judge not really revealing much in that sense. I mean, we did get the one quote from uh, the Giants special teams quarter, Tom Skay, who said, listen, I'm not afraid to put veterans in those spots, referencing maybe Golden Tate as their punt returner. So who knows if that could play into the kick returner job potentially. It's all about the ball security because just like Joe Judge was said, two main things he focuses on is limiting and mitigating the risk of penalties. We talked about tennis balls being taped to dudes' hands and everything like that. And do not turn the football over. Those are the two stats that, when asked about stats, beat reporter asked him about it. He said those are the two stats that can really tell a lot about if a team can win or if a team can lose. How disciplined are they? And do they turn the football over? Yeah, exactly. That's the type of team that Joe Judge wants as well. I mean, listen, he kept saying it. You heard, you heard him mic'd up in the scrimmage. No, you know, no penalties, no penalties, no penalties. This is a team that wants to be like the Patriots. The Patriots don't get a lot of penalties. Giants don't want to be a heavy penalty team. They feel that that's a, an easy kind of edge you can give yourself by being one of the lower penalty teams. And I, I can't argue with them on that. Yeah, and if they commit a penalty, run a lap. Yeah. Just run a, run a damn lap. <laughs> I'm not so sure I'm, I'm, I'm as thrilled on that one. Me and Nick, you know, and then I don't know where we stand on that one, but hopefully it'll work. Giants need to win some football games yeah, first. I, I'm, I'm both ways. But like, I like the, the hard-nosed nature of it, but I think you need to do it the right way because yes, that message I, can agreed. get very old 
especially just if stale you're losing. If you're losing, yeah. So you have to be able to have a plan on how to do that, and everybody on your coaching staff needs to be lockstep with that plan because if you have some coaches that are like, "Yeah, this is kind of bullshit," that's right. going to be freaking terrible for the entire culture of your team. For sure, can't can't have mixed messages there. Another player stood out to me, and I was really happy that he also stood out to Nick when I when we cross reference notes because I really didn't want to be accused of being biased on this one. But it's my boy. Ryan Connolly had a really nice play in coverage, which was just vintage Connolly from what we saw in that small sample size last year in his time at Wisconsin, where he just made an awesome PBU on the play. It was just right there, sticky in coverage, just like he was last year, made a great play. And then Nick, you know, pointed out to me, and then we went back and looked at it, a couple really nice run sticks from Connolly. I was happy to see him back out there in general because he had missed a little bit of time in camp and kind of started to slow down a bit. But I was really even happier to see him making plays again. I, I couldn't see what offensive lineman it was, but it was an offensive lineman who was chip blocking whatever defensive lineman it was. Again, uh, the camera angles were terrible. He was chip blocking. He was trying to climb to Connolly, but he couldn't climb to Connolly because Connolly shot the, I want to say it was the A-gap so fast that he just stuck the running back, and it was a gain of nothing. And it just reminds me of watching the Tampa Bay game, the Washington game, yep. and the Buffalo game where Connolly was doing those things and kind of opening everybody's eyes. And he was the reason why Tay Davis was a was an after one of the reasons why he was an afterthought. And granted, Tay Davis wasn't Lawrence Taylor or anything like that. But this guy, this fifth round pick, nobody really knew much about. Kind of stepped in and caught everybody's eye, and everybody was talking about him. And the next thing you know, he gets injured. But now seems like he's back. He's out there playing. He's going to be ready for Week One, and I'm very excited to see him. This yeah, season. and they're going to give him all he can handle, especially with uh, David Mayo now out. They're going to give him all he can handle out there potentially Week One because this is the state of the linebacker, the inside linebacker corpse. Um, Oh, man, I did it again. Corpse, you hear that? Dude, you just want, like, a zombie apocalypse or something. I don't know what's going on with that corpse crap. But linebacker core, and listen, I'm happy for that. I don't... Best case scenario for me was no rotation with Ryan Connolly and David Mayo. It was Ryan Connolly taking all those snaps. If he can handle them, and it seems like right now, he can handle them. He's 100% back off this ACL and looking good. He looks really good in this scrimmage. That's what we need, too. I mean, we need our linebackers to step up and and actually be competent NFL football players because I feel like the New York Giants have had that for quite some time now. And you have this young kid who was able to show it in a small sample size last year. You bring in Blake Martinez, who's smart, who's an effective run defender for the Green Bay Packers. Um, uh, it's not a you know doom and gloom with the Giants linebackers right now, especially when you look at some of these hybrid linebacker types that are really catching Joe Judge's eyes on special teams, Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown specifically. I mean, Judge, after the game, was talking about how Carter Coughlin is a lunch pail type of mentality kind of guy who has nice wiggle, and he was winning inside and outside in terms of pass rushing. And on special teams, him and Cam Brown were both really popping everybody's eyes out. You know what I'm saying? Like, Cam Brown was getting down the field on basically every single kind of punt and all of those kind of special teams like that. So I'm excited for both of those rookies to kind of show up in those facets and hopefully they'll their their role will expand with the team throughout the season yeah for sure and a couple other notes i wanted to touch on with you nick just so nice to have graham gano out there i mean <laughs> it really is i mean last year the giants missed a ton of field goals with aldrich rosas yeah he was the first team all pro in 2018 in 2019 it was the opposite and now with graham gano out there Finished off two drives with a 47-yarder, easy money. A 40-yarder, easy money. In rainy, wet conditions in the Meadowlands, it's always windy. It's never great. And Graham Gano is a pro, and I'm really happy he's out there. 
As am I. I mean, I feel like we've had a lot of kicking issues recently as New York Giants fans, and it's good to have somebody who looks like they're fully recovered from this injury, somebody who's been reliable, somebody who has absolutely devastated the Giants fan base in the past, so hopefully he will not do it again. Yeah, I hope not, and I I feel very good about their kicking situation heading into 2020. A couple other guys stood out to me. I want to get your thoughts on Nick. Um, Corey Coleman. Looked good out there. Made a couple catches. Looked quick. Obviously didn't work with the first team much, but really showed some of that burst and that ability right off the line of scrimmage to create separation. Yeah, Corey Coleman looks like he's going to earn the role, probably be that fourth receiver on this team, but he was creating separations on deep slants, skinny posts, things, routes that are sort of similar. I think he had the one back shoulder throw. I don't think Really was, nice adjustment on a back shoulder ball. I don't know if it was Daniel Jones that threw that. It was that. not Jones. It was Cooper Rush, wasn't yeah. it? But yeah, it was a really nice adjustment. It seemed like he was in sync with Cooper Rush, saw that it was a back shoulder opportunity, saw that he had outside leverage yes. on the cornerback and just easily just pivoted right outside and let the ball come right to Highly the outside Highly athletic shoulder. play that most of the Giants receivers on this roster are not making, let's be honest. See, I, I would I would think Darius Slayton can make that play. No, no, no. I mean yeah. most behind the big oh, three. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm talking when you're saying who's competing for this number four. Are we just talking about guys like David Sills or are we talking about guys like Corey Coleman? Oh, yeah, David Sills, and he's somebody who's— And I'm not trying to knock David Sills, but we're talking about a real talent with Coleman. I mean, you watch him out there. This is a scrimmage, but he's creating easy separation on those skinny posts and slants, and he makes a really nice adjustment on this deep back shoulder ball that seems like an adjustment-type play that not every receiver is making. I think the the back end of the Giants receiver room is going to be so interesting to see who actually makes this 53. Yeah. It's going to be special teams-based, a lot of it. Oh, it's going to be so special teams-based, and I think that's why Sills has a really legit shot as well. But I think Coleman might have secured that number four, and that's probably another reason why they wanted to give him a lot of reps in this and kind of give him a lot of targets to see how he looked in the actual live reps outside of practice with, I guess you could say, a game environment, even though it's absolutely nothing like the game environment of 2019. Without it, no, not you can't compare it, but it's as close as I guess we're getting for COVID when we should have had, you know, the third preseason game, but it's a scrimmage. It's crazy how much information we would have with three preseason games under oh, yeah. our belt right now, and all we're going off of is a, a scrimmage. But there's going to be another scrimmage, too. I think they have three more practices and another scrimmage, and then they're cutting to 53. Yep. So it's coming up real fast, everybody. A couple other things I want to run through. I think if you watch this scrimmage and you watch some of these reps closely, and you don't think that Leonard Williams impacts football games, and you just aren't really looking, don't really know exactly what to look for because he was relentless out there, and he was quick, and he looked explosive. He's in excellent shape. I think Leonard Williams is going to prove a lot of people wrong this year, Nick. I think he did the same thing last year. It's just he, it, he did. It just didn't manifest itself in sacks. He had the pressures. He was getting after the quarterback. He was excellent against the run. I understand why people are mad about the trade. I really do. Yeah, this is independent of that. I'm not defending the trade. It's 100% independent of that. Now we have to look at what can he do for the Giants in the future. He's still a young player, and he just is absolutely playing with his hair on fire out there. He's absolutely relentless, so I do love to see that. We also saw Devontae Downs out there uh, playing pretty well, too, at least in class. Yeah, I mean, he he would give up the short little dump off, but he was right there to run the running back out of bounds and did not concede any north kind of yardage. So you like to see that. He's not it didn't seem athletically limited in those kind of situations, which is good because Downs, we've kind of heard that steady drum beat since the beginning of a camp for him. Yeah. So he's somebody I mean, you're looking at TJ Brunson, Tay Crowder, Devontae Downs, Josiah Tuafero, all these guys, not all of them are gonna make the team. I think Cam Brown's gonna make this team. 
I've heard a lot of good stuff about Dallas, and I've heard a lot of good stuff about Crowder. So we got to see. Yeah, the Brown special, Cam Brown's impact on special teams is going to lock him into this. I I 100% agree with that, yes. And I I am very intrigued to see about those other back-end linebackers. It might all come down to specials, and some of these guys who actually got some defensive reps in this scrimmage, I mean, flash a little bit. I heard a couple beat reporters talking about Tua Farrow as well, but we didn't get to see many plays from him. Mm. So... I think uh, that's definitely a very interesting position to monitor for the back end of the roster spots. Yeah, and then one more for me. I'm not sure if anything else you wanted to touch on besides that, Nick, but I thought it was interesting to see Matt Parrott work both on the left and right side. Um, Got a ton of reps in this game, which was also good to see, I think. Something that stood out to me, um, kind of when Sean O'Hara gave his opinion of what he saw on the field that night, he said, and this is quote-unquote, he said, Pert is proving to be someone the Giants are going to keep active on game day. That's a bit of a surprise because I was kind of thinking he might not be active on game day. I wasn't kind of sure where that where they stood on that. They got a lot of linemen competing for a few positions, but I guess he's kind of locking himself into that swing role. He could be locking himself into the swing role. I wonder if it's not for special teams because mm. some teams like to put big bodies with incredibly long arms as somebody on the edge of a field goal block because they can just use their length to basically ride whoever's rushing outside up and away and Ooh. totally out of the position to block a the field The Joe Judge Giants would be the team looking for an edge like that. So, a lot of teams like don't like to use tackles for that right. sometimes as well. They would like to use a tight end or someone mm-hmm. who's a little bit more athletically inclined, but maybe they view Parrott's athletic ability sure. to be good enough to execute that role against the quicker defensive players that would be trying to block field goals. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, per you you watch Pert out there. You just focus on him when you when you're rewatching these scrimmage or when you'll see him eventually if he gets any regular season time. It's so weird. Normally, we'd be able to say when you see him in the preseason, but we mm-hmm. can't. But you watch him out there. He's a smooth mover, guys. He's he's an athlete. He's a prospect. He's super intriguing. I'm really happy the Giants used a draft pick on him. Hundred percent. All right, Nick. You got anything else from us? It's just there was a lot of concern about Blake Martinez and Evan oh, Ingram yeah. because they weren't playing in the scrimmage they're both going to be fine they return to practice on sunday uh precautionary would not really 100 percent sure what was going on with blake martinez judge didn't really want to give it away but he says that he's fine he's good to go so that's great news yeah and the the ingram thing more specifically judge said it was something to do with the gps trackers that they use hey i'm for the giants working in all these kind of things the gps trackers were saying you know give him a little rest don't go so hard on him he was working too hard fine they don't need him for this scrimmage ingram has a good rapport with Jones. He, he's going to be fine, I think. Yeah, I'm not worried about getting him out there on the scrimmage either. As long as he's healthy, he's running around, he could do everything at full speed. There's no reason to risk it if this GPS tracker saying that it's a little bit much. Probably a testament sure. to his incredible work ethic and his competitive toughness going all out at practice all the time. They're like, you know what? Maybe maybe we don't need to use him in the scrimmage here. Yeah. Don't want to risk the injury, especially for someone like Ingram who's dealt with so much in his career. Yeah. Listen, guys. Another scrimmage coming up this week. Me and Nick will be covering it as well, giving our key takeaways. According to Judge, it's not going to be the same exact type of thing. It's going to be a little lesser version of this, but we'll have to see what the Giants have in store for for us all. Um, until then, thank you again for tuning into the Big Blue Banter podcast. You can keep up with us on Twitter. I'm Dan Schneider NFL on Twitter, and Nick is Nick Filato on Twitter. Very simple, easy follows. We're there to answer all your questions. Stay tuned for some interesting things and developments coming up. You can find all of Nick's work also over on Sports Illustrated at Giants Country and at Big Blue View. You can also find my work at cbssports.com. I just did a three bold predictions for the Giants, which you might find interesting. I had a lot of fun with that one. We also, again, please do us a favor. Follow us on Instagram at NYBigBlueBanter. 
do us a favor and give us a recap, rating, review on iTunes. We love that as well. Who wouldn't want that? It helps us grow the show, and we can then bring you more. There's also going to be something interesting coming. Uh, A little bit of a – I don't want to give it away just yet, but there's going to be an interesting way that we're working on to kind of interact more directly with you guys, Um, more of some Q&As that we can have with you guys via something. I'm not going to touch on it just yet. It's still in the works, and I can't give everything away. But stay tuned. Keep it locked and loaded for the Giants podcast that breaks down the film, that dives into the analytics, that – sifts through all the garbage takes that you're getting from some of the big name uh, giant skies we're not going to drop any names here but stick with us we're going to keep it coming as long as you guys keep listening have a great rest of your week and we'll speak to you soon did somebody say playoffs nba and nhl are playing for the gold and our partners at bet online have you covered get in on all the action including a new nba bracket contest with plenty of chances to win MLB season is pushing into the fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.